Welcome to Fraternal Review, the podcast. We are honored to have Brother Matt Parker here with us today to discuss the Fraternal Review issue titled, The Temple of Solomon. Brother Matt Parker is a member of Wendell Lodge 565 in Wendell, North Carolina, the founder of North Carolina Masonic Research Society, co-founder and admin of Refracted Light, and the Student Services Coordinator for the Middle Chamber Program. Brother Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. It is a pleasure to have you. And as you pointed out in your guest editor's word for this issue, the Temple of Solomon, and I quote, has long fascinated man. From books to movies and everything in between, the mystique and significance of the temple has not diminished, end quote. So it's a privilege to sit down and talk to you today and share with the listeners some insights surrounding the Temple of Solomon. And I thought maybe we should start first with just a bit of a background on your interest in the subject and also on the temple and really discuss at a high level before we get into some of the specifics. So tell us, Brother Matt, what inspired you initially to start researching Solomon's Temple? It was when I first realized that the lodge was emblematic of the Temple of Solomon. And then I just went down that rabbit hole of why? Why the Temple of Solomon? Why not any other building? Why not the, the Parthenon, the Acropolis? Why Temple of Solomon? So it really took a lot of digging in there and asking these questions. And uh, it really, I'm still going down that rabbit hole. I don't, I don't think it'll ever end. It's just so much information there, but uh, yeah. And I know that you shared with me earlier that you've been kind of doing research and, and writing on the subject for the last five years or so. And part of that was just serendipitous in nature, right? Can you, can you share with us a little bit about, you know, really what the catalyst was in that moment five years ago? Yes. Back in 2016, I was, uh, frankly, I was a little dissatisfied with my Masonic experience. And as I had mentioned to you previously, that the old adage that when the student is ready, the teacher will appear and that's exactly what happened. I was at my lowest point Masonically, where I was ready to walk away from the craft. And suddenly, four, in my mind, just brilliant men, Masons, appeared in front of me. Uh, one was our junior grand warden at the time. Another was the chair of our education committee. But they were generous with their time. And they were able to somewhat answer the questions that I had been asking since I had first been initiated. They were able to set me on that path, but they never really answered specific questions. They gave me fuel to find the answers for myself. And, and the answers are always going to be very personal for every person. Yeah. And I think part of that adage is also that the good teacher or the Jedi or the sensei they will encourage you to discover on your own. They kind of point you in the right direction and you have to have some level of interest or self-directed learning as part of that mentorship. So it's great that I think they took that approach with you. And in your answer, you, you mentioned that part of your interest also was the fact that the temple has been chosen, Solomon's temple has been chosen as the architectural foundation to our craft and, and has given that high status through and through our ritual and, of course, how our lodge rooms are designed. So from, from your perspective, 
What have you learned that has answered that question? You know, why has the Temple of Solomon become such an essential aspect of our craft and ritual? Well, I'm not sure that I fully have answered the question. Uh, every time I think I've, I've figured it out, there's something else that I discover. But the light went off in my head when I realized that the lodge was the temple, but more importantly, the lodge is us as individuals, not the room we meet in. We are the lodge, so therefore we are the temple. And then things started to click and fall into place. I started understanding the roles of the officers. They're symbolic roles, not their words, not uh, what the stewards are supposed to do, you know, preparing dinner or whatever the case may be. They're actual symbolic roles. And that became so fascinating and important to me. And I'm still exploring that. Have you been able to uncover any truths behind the mystery of why the Temple of Solomon and not another architectural building from that era or prior? I think so. Uh, the Temple of Solomon is the perfect allegory for our psyche and for our spiritual selves. I don't know of any other building or, or monument on earth that could carry such symbolism. It just doesn't exist. I mean, you could look at the Great Pyramids at Giza, maybe, but even that still doesn't quite have the reverence that the Temple of Solomon would have. I mean, it is uh, built for one reason, to house the Ark of the Covenant. So why then is that so important to masonry? I had to ask myself, why would a building used just to house the Ark of the Covenant be so essential to us? And that really opened the floodgates. Yeah, you, you highlight here in, in this early part of our conversation and also in the Fraternal Review issue that the temple stands as a symbol of God's presence on earth, and metaphorically, it represents that in ourselves. How is that the case? Can you, can you help us just understand that concept a little bit more deeply? How is the temple a symbol of God's presence on earth? and metaphorically a representation of that in ourselves. Sure. And again, this is just my view on this. This is my interpretation. I'm not telling you this is right or wrong. Sure. But the way I understand it and spent a lot of time thinking about this is that the Temple of Solomon was various compartments, the inner and outer porch, the flight of winding stairs, the middle chamber. At no point in our Masonic degrees do we ever reach the inner chamber, the sanctum sanctorum? And that's where the Holy of Holies is. And then I began to understand there's a reason why we never reach that inner chamber. That is our true self. That is the divinity within us. And we're so consumed with all these outer chambers of the temple just to get to that point. So I think the ultimately the Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant housed in there, Masonically is symbolic of the divinity within us, our spiritual selves, and that's that's our pure selves. Worship brother Mike Daniels here in North Carolina has a great saying, so I'm gonna have to steal it from him. He says, "Who were you before you were born? Who were you before all this junk from the outside world was piled on you? Before you were exposed to?" peer pressure and what your teachers told you and what your parents and friends and, and all of this stuff, before all of that, who were you? That is, 
that inner chamber. That is the Ark of the Covenant. That is our spirit. It's a powerful message. I think we could end the episode right there. That's plenty to think about in and of itself. Is that one of the things you were hoping to communicate or achieve in this issue dedicated to the Temple of Solomon? Or did you have other ambitions or other things you were looking to achieve? It is. And I intentionally did not write an article myself other than the uh, editor's note because I wanted to bring different perspectives from other brothers. And I hope I was successful in doing that. Uh, where they come together, and some of them may be a little more historical, some of them more symbolic, but it it provides a holistic picture of the temple and its importance. Because every brother, well, let's face it, we're all human, and we all approach life through the lens of our own personal experiences and beliefs, and that's what forms our opinions and our perspectives. And so I want to provide as many different angles as I can so that other brothers can find the angle that will intrigue them. Where's that rabbit hole they need to go down? Yeah. You're making me think that this issue might be the teacher that appears when the student is ready. Maybe. Hope so. Maybe not, but it's, uh, I'm connecting a dot there. The, and I, and I know we just touched on this, but the other thing I, I wanted to just maybe go a little deeper if we could you share that the temple was built really fundamentally for one purpose, and that's to house the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant has obviously a long history, and it could be a topic in and of itself. But what is significant, tell us again, what is significant about the temple as it relates to housing the Ark of the Covenant? That temple, and I'll just approach this symbolically. If we think about the layers of our own psyche, the ego, the emotions, the passions, the animal passions, learning to subdue that. We're just progressing further and further, getting closer and closer to that Ark of the Covenant, closer to that inner chamber, a sanctum sanctorum. And that is a lifelong journey. And a lot of times we find ourselves uh, in the inner apprentice world, just running around the, the outer porch like something crazy, We're just consumed with the material world around us, and we completely forget about the fellowcraft world or the world of the master mason, which exists within the temple itself. Yeah, that's nice. I'm going to shift our conversation a little bit here because one thing that struck me as I was reading this issue and and rereading it in preparation for our, our conversation is that you encourage meditation on each article. So I, I think you say something to the effect of, forgive me, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but read each article and meditate on each appropriately. And this is really the first time where a guest editor has ever provided this specific direction. Uh, so it, it raised the question in my mind, you know, what is, why is meditation an important aspect to, you know, to your relationship uh, with these articles, why is meditation important to you, and, and how does this help the reader? That's a, that's a great question. First, let's talk about what meditation is, because we may have a lot of listeners who are not really familiar with meditation. Their their image of meditation is sitting cross-legged on a grass mat, chanting, Om, <laughs> and it could be, that's fine. Uh, that's the Hollywood version. Right. Meditation just means losing yourself in thought. And that's what I would do is just 
picture the Temple of Solomon in my mind. Picture the stones being cut in the quarries. Picture them being shaped by the, the tools of the stonemasons. Picturing all this and then focusing on each aspect of that and then trying to apply that to me. What does that mean to me? What is that telling me about myself? One thing in particular that I realized was the temple is not one ashlar. It's not one stone in masonry. We talk about forming the perfect ashlar. In reality, the temple is made up of thousands of stones. And so we, as temples, we are also made up of thousands and thousands of ashlars, rough stones that we spend our lives working on. So maybe you want to stop smoking. That's one ashlar you're going to work on. Once you conquer that, you move on to your next ashlar. I want to lose some weight. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better uh, husband. I want to be whatever the case may be. Those are our individual ashlars. And all of those in their totality, when put together and put together correctly, form our temple. And that can only be done by utilizing our working tools appropriately. Yeah. So maybe we could just break that down a little more practically, because I think you're right. I think there's some listeners that haven't ever meditated before. Maybe they have a misconception about meditation. What would be the, the steps or the process? Like, let's just go step by step here on how to use this sort of contemplative reflection of imagining and then losing yourself in your thoughts. Can you walk us through those steps? Certainly. Well, I'll tell you what works for me. Uh, first, quiet. I just want a quiet space. Sometimes a smell will trigger that meditative response on me. For me, I'm, I'm a big cigar smoker. So when I fire up a cigar, I'm sitting here in my library, no sounds, no distractions. I'm not watching YouTube, no television. And then the only choice I have is to communicate with myself. That's the key, quiet. Because when when you're quiet, when the television's off, when the radio's not on, you have no choice but be alone with yourself. And that can be a very scary place. But that's also where you start to have conversations with yourself and realize things that you've never noticed before. And that, to me, is the heart of meditation. Creating a bit of an inner chamber, perhaps, and making that quiet space available for you to be close to that inner self that you described? I would refer to that as creating a sacred space around you. And that may sound very mystical and uh, ethereal, but really, that's what you're doing is creating that sacred space around you where you are guarding yourself from the influences and the distractions of the outside world so you can spend more time in your own thoughts. Yeah, that's great. I think that's very practical, but also very philosophical advice that you're providing there. The other kind of piece of advice or suggestion that you make is that any one symbol of the temple might be very different from you as it is to me, as it is to a fellow brother, you know, the, our relationship or understanding of these symbols are personalized to a degree. And I'm going to quote you here again. You, you say, quote, you should study the allegories and determine what the symbolism of the temple means to you as an individual. So brother Matt, what does it mean to you? To me, the temple is, oh man, that's a multi-layered 
thing. But when I get down to it, the temple represents who I am, my true self. It's not all the accessories and adornments. It's the inner part of the temple, the inner workings. And that's what I need to guard. And that's where I need to spend more time. Uh, When we talk about the symbols of the temple, I, I mentioned the ashlar a little earlier. That's a great symbol. And to me, the ashlar is uh, a symbol of what we aspire to be, to go from the rough ashlar to the perfect ashlar. But again, we are made up of multiple ashlars. It's not just one. Now, another brother could look at his whole life as one ashlar and just take it in a totality uh, sense. And that's fine. That's his perspective. And that's what I mean by looking at the symbols and allegories from a personal level, because we all view the world through the lens of our own experience. That's how we form our uh, uh, opinions. That's how we form our perceptions of the world. So the way I see things may not be the way you need to see them. If you see something different than I do, maybe that's because that's the way you need to see it. And there's no judgment coming from my end on that because it's very personal. And that's really the difference between a symbol and an archetype, right? Mm. We all know what a dollar sign looks like. That's pretty much all it stands for, the dollar. But if I were to show you, you know, any other symbol, if I were to show you the gavel, that's the most recognizable symbol in masonry. If I were to show you that gavel, could that mean different things to you? You mentioned the Ashlers a few times. Is that the symbolism of the temple that's most like personal to you? Or are there other symbols within the temple that's more personal? I would say that probably within the last year, the Ashlers have become more personal to me. Uh, that's just been one aspect of the temple that really has been jumping out at me. And I approach things this way. If something is presenting itself, if something is uh, remaining on your mind, there's a reason. There's something you need to solve there. There's something I haven't discovered yet. Once I discover that, then there may be some other aspect of the temple that becomes more prominent. If I had to choose something else, I would just have to refer back to the working tools of masonry, the working tools of the stonemasons. I, um, you know, I, I often use that as an analogy for the building of the perfect temple. If you're not wielding your gavel correctly, that same gavel that forms the perfect ashlar can break it right in half. If you're not using your plumb line and you don't have a straight wall, it's going to collapse. If you don't have a level foundation, you see where this is going. All of these tools have to be used, and all of those tools are parts of ourselves, part of our our emotion, part of our, our spirit, part of our psyche. And we have to come to terms with those internal working tools and be able to apply them so that we can construct our perfect temple. Yeah, it's true. We need mastery over these tools, which can take a lifetime in itself to construct our perfect temple. Let's talk a little bit about the temple's features, since I I think the tools important aspect to this, but then also the temple features themselves, another component that's, I think, equally important. We see many of the temple features within our lodge rooms, right? We have the two columns, for example, that 
stand proudly at the entrance and represent duality. We have the checkered floor, and that, as we know, signifies the plurality of our universe. What other temple symbols within our lodge rooms are helpful in this pursuit of perfecting ourselves and perfecting our craft? I would have to say for me, the feature of the temple that stands out the most is the middle chamber. Yeah. That middle chamber is the center of ourselves. Once we enter that middle chamber, we have separated ourselves from the material world. We are now in the world of ration and thought, reason. And we need to apply that to understanding the world around us. After all, that's the, that's the lesson of the fellow craft degree is to learn about the world around us so that we can better understand ourselves. If we are open-minded and we continue to learn and explore, we discover things about ourselves along the way, but also understand that while I may not agree with you, I see where you're coming from. I can appreciate that because I understand rather than coming from a place of ignorance, which is outside of the temple. Right. Right. Also where we receive our wages. So I think there's some symbolism within that feature of, you know, what else transpires, what other activities are gained, earned, experienced uh, within that middle chamber. Are there any other features on the temple itself that you would want to highlight for our listeners? Well, I would like to point out that a lot of the artist renderings we see of the temple are very much embellished. It's very unlikely that at least the first temple was probably not as dynamic or dramatic. It really was built for one simple purpose, and that was to house the Ark of the Covenant, and that was it. It was a warehouse for the Ark of the Covenant. It wasn't that big. The Ark didn't take up that much room. Uh, so we see these, these artist renderings that show this massive structure, and that's something that, that I've thought quite a bit about is of course, we'll never know what the first temple looked like, but if we can assume that, that it was just a simple stone building built for that purpose, would that not that plain, simple facade be a symbol for humility? That's a great insight. Don't, don't try to chase dues cards or be an apron chaser, you know, to put it Masonically. Be humble, be grateful, and understand yeah. what your purpose is. The purpose is not to be this beautiful ornamentation, a glamorous building is to serve a purpose and be functional and be good at what you do. Yeah. I, I think that's a, another really powerful message that you're delivering. And it's making me think not only of those Masons who are after the accolades and the titles, but also those of us, I'll maybe include myself here, who are trying to search the lodge room <laughs> that is, you know, maybe the, the most well-respected or the, the most well-adorned or the most comfortable for social activities. So to remember that there was a rudimentary Temple of Solomon at one point, a tabernacle, basic tabernacle to house the Ark of the Covenant. And that doesn't devalue the quality of the experience or the necessity of doing work within the temple itself. Understanding, being humble and understanding that no matter what the lodge room looks like, let's say, 
it's still a place where you can work on yourself and work on your craft. Are there any other key takeaways? Don't want to water down our conversation, but I would love to know if you have any other key takeaways that you would like to leave the listeners with. Well, first, I would just really like to thank the contributors who wrote these amazing articles. I, they took me down more paths uh, than I care to count. Uh, they brought to light things that I had never thought of. And so I do need to give credit where credit is due. Uh, this issue would not have existed without those uh, contributors. Just a phenomenal, phenomenal group of brothers and, and great Masonic thinkers. Uh, if I have to take anything away from this, just through reading these articles, I realized just how much more important the temple was than even I thought it was. There's, there's more there than meets the eye. And uh, it's just really encouraged me to continue on my journey, to continue to explore that symbol of masonry. Yeah, that's great. Is there an article in particular in this issue that really struck you or that you would point someone to as maybe a first place? One article that I really like is one written by worship brother Brent Kaleda. He compares the, well, he calls his article the, the Many Faces of Solomon. But he compares the legend of the building of the temple and Solomon himself from the perspective of Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. There are similarities, but then there are some pretty big differences as well. And again, that all goes to perspective. And that can shape the perspective masonically of a brother who's coming into the craft. And maybe they are from uh, Jewish belief or Muslim belief, or maybe uh, they don't ascribe to any one religion, and that's fine. But those different perspectives may alter the way that they view the temple and its importance to them. Yeah. And that really goes back to what you were talking about earlier about the how personal symbols are to each and every person. And we talk about perspective and where we come from. And I think that's a perfect example of that. Yeah. I think it points to the idea that the if we look at the temple in totality as a symbol, and then we start to break down all of these various facets of the temple, it helps us understand that it's accessible. All of it is accessible to mankind, regardless of religion, race, creed, social status, financial status, etc., so I think that it's, it's a great article in that regard, too, is it shows the accessibility of the temple and uh, its impact on, on us individually if we let it or if we choose to pursue it. But I think that really speaks to masonry, that that symbol, the universality of that symbol can mean so much to men of any faith or any belief. It's just yeah. applying that allegory and that that symbology to ourselves. Yep. Well said. So let's assume we are excited and eager to learn more. And maybe this is just our, our first touch uh, into this, this area. Where would we go next? Where would you say uh, I'm coming to you a newly raised Mason or perhaps haven't explored the, the symbols or the symbolism too much is there a good place that you would point someone to in order to learn more? 
the very first place I would point a newly raised Mason or anyone is to Albert Mackey, the Encyclopedia of Masonry. Read what he had to say about the temple. Then read The Way of the Craftsman by Kirk McNulty. McNulty really lays that out in uh, just an exquisite way where he talks about the, the roles of all the officers and really compares those to the temple and what that means. Wilmshurst is another great resource for that. The uh, Hidden Meaning of, of Masonry by Steinmetz. These are all basic entry-level authors and, and resources that I would recommend to any newly raised Master Mason. But at the same time, I also highly recommend those those books and those resources to senior master masons, or I should say well-seasoned master masons, because as I go back and reread these, these books and these articles over and over and over, I pick out things that I missed the first time, or I understand things in a different perspective, because as I go, get older, as I learn more, my perspective changes. And so when I go back and read McNulty, it's like I'm reading it for the first time all over again. Yeah, great uh, references and resources there. Thank you. And I know that that's going to be helpful for many of our listeners. I think the McNulty book in particular, I would just kind of double tap on that or double click on, on that example. It's also just a quick shout out. It is one of the top 10 Masonic books of the new millennium that the Southern California Research Lodge put out. Um, and yeah, that, that book in particular for me, as you mentioned, going back and rereading it, like it, it always provides some new perspective, some new insight. So thank you for sharing that. How about you and your work? Is there a, a good place someone could connect further with you or maybe read more of your writings? What's the best way to keep in contact with you or connect further? Certainly. They can email me. Uh, my email is very simple. MasonicLight1, the number one, at gmail.com. Uh, find me on Facebook. Check out the North Carolina Masonic Research Society's Facebook page. If you're not a member of Refracted Light Facebook group, please join that because we host guests, speakers, and, and presenters on a weekly basis. And uh, I think you will find some, everything may not appeal to you, but I guarantee there will be something there that, that will grab your attention and you will just absolutely love. That's great. That's great. Thank you. I'm sure, again, we'll, uh, we'll be taking you up on that. Congratulations on this issue. It came out really well. Uh, it's, I'm sure, going to take its place as a, a pillar within our contemporary Masonic education. So thank you for your contribution. Thanks for the time today. And just uh, keep up the great work, brother. All right, well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me course. Cheers. Fraternal Review has been published for over six decades and each issue is dedicated to a specific topic such as Masonic symbols, lore, and history. If you enjoyed this episode of Fraternal Review's podcast, please subscribe, support, or visit our website for more information. You can become a digital, print, or digital and print subscriber of the Fraternal Review magazine at theresearchlodge.com. 